Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Listen, I like Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin is math, and math has been around for thousands of years, and it two plus two is gonna equal four, and it will for the next 2,000 years. So I like the idea of investing in something that's reliable, consistent, honest, and 100% certain. So Bitcoin has appealed to me because it's a way for me to invest in certainty, where again, I look at the difference between the Fed of 2013, the Fed of 2021, I, I'm going, how, how can this, do I want to have faith necessarily? I look at the difference between Trump and Biden. Do I want to have faith in that same reliability and consistency of human nature and the linear nature of human nature, which we know is anything but that? You like Bitcoin at these prices? Um, I, listen. You got I, in what, at about 10000 I I like Bitcoin is a portfolio diversifier. Everyone always asks me, what should I do with my portfolio? My employees say, I say, okay, listen, the only thing that I know for certain is I wanna have 5% in gold, 5% in Bitcoin, 5% in cash, 5% in commodities at this point in time. I don't know what I wanna do with the other 80%. <laughs> I wanna wait and see what the Fed's gonna do because what they do will have a big right. impact. Paul Tudor Jones, everybody, give him a round of applause. He happens to be the very first person that I've heard that has the, the credentials, all right, to actually say, you know, when, when he puts out a buy, like how much money to put into something, uh, he can get tagged because he's, you know, he, he's a guy that has the creds and people can tag his ass for saying, well, shit, you gave investment advice. Well, he's the first one to do it and nail it at 5% uh, on, you know, how much Bitcoin you should have in your portfolio. Yeah, your wealth should be 5% in Bitcoin, which is the highest. I'm pretty sure that this is the highest recommendation of percentage value of your wealth stored in Bitcoin that I've heard any quote unquote credentialized, you know, investment guy actually say. It used to be like, you know, between it was 1% and then people started saying between 1% and 2%. Hell, man, Paul just like knocked it, knocks it out of the park by saying 5%. And remember, he is somebody who can definitely get tagged by the authorities for giving invest, investment advice. So keep that in mind because he just kind of, I don't know, I guess this is why we're seeing a price rise today. I can't tell if it's him. The fact that uh, Sailor is probably out buying 500 or 600, was it $500 million worth of Bitcoin this morning? Or did idiot Elon Musk saying that he's going to start selling Teslas again for Bitcoin as soon as he figures out how to change his own diapers or something like that? Something about 50% dirty or bet, you know better than 50% dirty energy and he's going to you know, unlock the ability to buy Teslas with Bitcoin again. I, w I wouldn't listen to the man at this point. I would just ignore everything that Elon Musk says because I don't know if he's losing his mind or not. I mean, what do you call somebody that invests $1.5 billion into a thing and then you, within two weeks, start shitting all over that very thing wildly and in public? I, I don't even understand that. I, I that, that Nothing about that made sense. And it still doesn't make sense, which is why I think Elon Musk may be losing his mind. But we have better things to do. It is 9.27 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is the 14th of June, 2021. And this is episode 437 of Bitcoin. And United States inflation hits highest rate since 2008. 
outlining yet another case for Bitcoin. This is Peter Chihuahua writing for Bitcoin Magazine. The Consumer Price Index, a measure of the price of consumer goods and services increased by an annual rate of 5%. Oh, hey, look, 5 is in the news. 5% last month, hitting its highest mark since August 2008, according to the United States Bureau of Labor Statistics. As money printing and federal economic stimulus measures continue in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic, this measure indicates that United States dollar inflation is at its highest mark since the Great Recession, leading to palpable concern from investors. Quote, fears over rising prices in the United States have gripped markets, with investors fearing that pent-up demand and supply chain bottlenecks would create inflationary pressures, forcing central bankers at the Federal Reserve to slow their stimulus program, as The Guardian reported. Quote, core inflation which strips out volatile items such as food and energy, leapt to the highest level since 1992. It rose 3.8% year-on-year, up from 3% in April. Now, let's just hold right there. If you don't know what the CPI is, or if if you don't know what the CPI is, it's a measurement of inflation. If you don't understand why it's a lie, then all you have to look at is the fact that core inflation strips out volatile items such as food and energy. Now, I don't know about you, but I buy a lot of food, either at the grocery store, actually mostly at the grocery store because we cook a lot. It is very rare for us to go to to a restaurant. There's nothing at a restaurant that me and my wife couldn't, you know, bake or or cook fix better here at the house. Um, but sometimes we do go to a restaurant and those prices are getting jacked up. And I also use I also use gas, you know, not not a whole lot. I don't, you know, really commute all that much. But I, I do use a lot of electricity that comes into my house. And when I had a house that had natural gas, I certainly used the living shit out of natural gas. Though honestly, that's my largest outlay are energy bills, no matter what form they come in, and food cost. Those are my two largest outlays outside of you know a mortgage payment. That I don't include because it's always stable. So when somebody says, oh, well, the CPI says it's not so bad. Yeah, it's not so bad because they're stripping out all the shit that you actually use. So please keep that in mind when somebody says, Ooh, ooh, but the CPI says, yeah, CPI is a lie. It always has been a lie. It always will be a a lie. And they put stuff in and take stuff out at their leisure so that they can at least reflect what they think we want to hear. In this particular case, even that shit didn't work. So imagine how bad it would be if they actually included your major outlay items such as food and energy bills. Okay, so continuing on. Bitcoin, which was introduced with direct overtures to the Great Recession, is designed to solve many of the problems currently rearing their heads in the legacy financial system. The Bitcoin supply is predetermined, released in a programmed way, and free from manipulation by third parties such as the Federal Reserve. As such, it cannot inflate as the dollar is currently. Concerns about inflation drive many people to invest in Bitcoin as a way to better protect their wealth. This current economic trend appears to be setting the stage for another crisis of great recession proportions, something that Bitcoiners have felt coming for some time. That's the end of the article, but that's not the end of the situation because if you did not, un- if you did not hear over the weekend, it became very clear, I think beginning on Thursday, then into Friday, and then it certainly got a lot of attention in, during the weekend is the BlackRock people are buying single-family homes sometimes for between 20 and 30% of the current listing price of said home. And they're buying as many of them as they can. Why? Because they're sitting on a shit ton of cash. Why do they want to get rid of their cash? I don't know. Maybe because of inflation. So what do they do? They buy as many durable goods, and in this case, just single-family homes, as they can to store that wealth. What does that do to home prices? Well, clearly it's going to increase them. However, there's another specter on the horizon. Home builders that had currently kind of stopped building homes because lumber prices went through the freaking roof 
are now finding themselves in a much better position to continue construction because they know that they can sell their constructions to BlackRock and they'll have enough money to pay for the lumber and then some and still be in, and because they'll still be in profit, it looks to me like home builders are starting to crank this shit all the way back up even due to the higher, much higher lumber prices, which have been decreasing a little bit as of late. But you, here's the, there, there's the thing. There was a whole bunch of housing construction projects that were just flat put on hold. And they were all, some of them were, all, or many of them or in my neck of the woods were actually almost done. And now they're all going to come on the market and the home builders are actually going to list those homes at a much higher price. So now there's two forces on the housing market that are in play. The home builders are going to start setting their listing prices higher. And when they were basically all in bed, snug as a bug in the rug, waiting out the lumber prices and all this shit, you got BlackRock that's telegraphing to the housing market that housing is going to go higher. You've got two pressures that are building and they're, they're coming to, they're actually not opposed forces. So they're, they're working in tandem to raise the prices of houses. Guess what happens next? 2008. 2008. That's what, that's what happens next. Mark my words, man. Okay, this one is also from Bitcoin Magazine. Anamcios is writing this one. Bitcoin Mining Council launches mission statement, seeks members. I will never be a member of the Bitcoin Mining Council. Thank God. The Bitcoin Mining Council, or BMC, a group of Bitcoin miners from around the globe, has formally launched and is now open for membership applications. The council's website is live and shares details about its mandate, what it will do, and the roles to be played by influential CEOs Elon Musk and Michael Saylor. Quote, the Bitcoin Mining Council is a voluntary and open forum of Bitcoin miners committed to the network and its core principles per the BMC website. Quote, we promote transparency, best practices and educate the public on the benefits of Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining, end quote. <clears throat> Although the BMC was first established in a closed door meeting, it has allegedly moved into a more open framework. According to the council's website, any Bitcoin miner can join, provided they agree to share their energy mix and hash rate size for, quote, research and educational purposes. In addition, the members of the council should promote Bitcoin's core principles and tenets, quote, that it is decentralized, peer-to-peer, censorship-resistant, and open-sourced protocol, end quote. The website also claims that Tesla CEO Elon Musk, who participated in the group's first meeting, has no role at the BMC. But CEO of software intelligence firm MicroStrategy, Michael Saylor, who convened the first meeting as a key member of the BMC, both as a facilitator and a Bitcoin supporter. The Bitcoin Mining Council, which was at first a closed group, received skeptical reactions from many of the Bitcoin community who thought the council could take an aggressive stance on Bitcoin's energy consumption, fueled by Musk's recent concerns. But the group may have understood that Bitcoin's carbon emission are but a percentage of many other industries own as, I'm sorry, it's, it's a very poorly written sentence, people. Bitcoin's carbons, carbon emissions are but a percentage of many other industries own as, according to its website, it now believes that Bitcoin's energy usage is a feature, not a bug. Wow, that is a, a, an aggressively poor sentence, guys. That, uh, I'm sorry, I'm just gonna have to call Bitcoin Magazine out on that one. Dude, get your grammar together. That doesn't even make any sense. Taproot activation brings massive upgrades to Bitcoin. Ben the Carmen has got this one for us, uh, also out of Bitcoin Magazine. Now, <clears throat> Taproot has, lo has locked in. It will not activate until November. So it's high time that we start looking at what Taproot is actually supposed to do for us. Also, it looks like there's only 23% of the nodes that are operating on the network that are going to be able to facilitate uh, taproot when it does activate in November. So it's all on us to get our nodes upgraded to taproot spec. Okay. Now you should be able to do that just through whoever it is that your node guys are. Like I'm going to upgrade through, you know, my node BTC and that upgrade is actually included in the one button upgrade click. So all I got to do is click one button. I'll probably have to click it a few times because I haven't upgraded my <clears throat> I haven't upgraded my node in a little while, but 
it'll get there. Anyway, so <clears throat> let's get to it. By the time this is published, Taproot will be locked in for activation. This means that on block 709,632, mid-November 2021, the new rules defined by a series of Bitcoin improvement protocols will be activated and start being enforced. Previously, it was debated if Bitcoin could come to consensus on another soft fork after the drama behind the 2017 SegWit upgrade. This previous soft fork spun out multiple camps that hard forked from the original Bitcoin chain, creating new shit coins. Meanwhile, the Bitcoin community was left with deep battle scars after months of debating and fighting for what resulted in a user-activated soft fork or the UASF. It's been almost four years since SegWit activated and people were skeptical that the Bitcoin community could overcome these battle scars for the next upgrade to Bitcoin. However, we've done it. It was a long process of debating on pull requests, internet relay chat channels, and Twitter, but it has finally come to a close. Taproot, as an upgrade, had virtually no pushback. By and large, every core developer agreed with the consensus changes proposed in BIP 340, BIP 341, and BIP 342. These BIPs propose changes that add privacy and optimizations as well as enabling new features in the future without any new security assumptions. Taproot by itself is a no-brainer upgrade to the Bitcoin protocol. The controversy came in when the discussion started about how to activate Taproot. Of course, we've always got to have some kind of drama here, man. The controversy began with BIP8, which was created in response to what happened with SegWit. It made two changes to BIP9, the activation method used for SegWit. The first change was to define the start and end times of the activation by block height instead of real-world time. This makes defining the activation window slightly better because we aren't reliant on blocks having exactly a 10-minute block time, but with the trade-off of being worse for test networks. The second change was to add an optional user-activated soft fork at the end of the activation known as lock-in on timeout, or LOT. Both of these changes sparked heavy debate on if they should be made and resulted in many pull requests being opened and closed to Bitcoin Core. The lot parameter, the LOT, was eventually thrown out and replaced with a procedure called Speedy Trial. Speedy Trial was supposed to break the stalemate between the two camps arguing over how to set lot, whether to set it true or false. Speedy Trial described a three-month activation window instead of a one-year window, but with a minimum activation height that would be further in the future and with no UASF, this was structured so that we could either activate quickly or fail quickly. If we were to have failed quickly, we could have gone back to debating, or if we did activate quickly, the surrounding ecosystem would have more time to prepare for the upgrade. Most developers agreed to try Speedy Trial, which, was, uh, which led to two PRs being opened to Bitcoin Core, one by Andrew Chow and another by AJ Towns. Chow's PR proposed using block height while Towns used real world time. This led to further debate and lots of discussion on IRC that was eventually settled with Chow and Towns agreeing to move forward with Towns' proposal. All of this debate finally led to the culmination of Taproot being able to activate. Then we just needed miners to signal, which happened relatively quickly. Alejandro de la Torre, vice president of Poolin, had already gotten mining pools to commit to saying they would signal. However, at the start, only slush pool was signaling. The plebs took to the streets and made memes, donning green squares, a reference to Taproot dot watch's way of showing which blocks signaled for activation and which did not. However, after only three difficulty adjustment periods, we have achieved almost 99% of hash power from miners signaling and have locked in the activation of Taproot. Now that we can confidently say that Taproot will be part of the Bitcoin protocol, we should know what that will mean for Bitcoin in its many layers. As stated in the beginning, Taproot brings privacy and optimizations while allowing for new features in the future. Taproot is able to add privacy to Bitcoin by allowing users to create multiple spending rules for their funds, but they only need to reveal those rules that were used for that particular transaction. In some cases, there's no need to reveal that uh, there were ever any other spending rules. The average Bitcoin user today doesn't have a need for these sorts of complex rule scripts. However, most scaling solutions in Bitcoin do. 
Layers such as Lightning Network, Liquid, and other sidechains all use scripted rules like multi-sig, hash time locks, and other tools to make the system secure. Today, this all needs to be put on chain and revealed to the entire network. With Taproot, this information no longer needs to be revealed all of the time, and transactions like Lightning Channel Opens can look exactly like a normal user's transactions. So not only will it benefit Lightning users, but it will benefit everyone as the general anonymity set of Bitcoin grows, making privacy-compromising chain analysis harder to do. Along with all these privacy improvements, there are lots of optimizations. Since we no longer need to reveal as much information on chain, transactions will use less data and thus will reduce fees. This also means that more transactions will fit in each block and every unspent transaction output will be that much more efficient. Not only do we get space-saving optimizations, <clears throat> from Taproot, but we also get optimizations that help the speed of verifying transactions. Today, Bitcoin uses the Elliptic Curve Digital Signature Algorithm, or the ED, sorry, ECDSA, for signing transactions, but Taproot adds a new way to sign called Schnorr Signatures. Schnorr Signatures enable some of the space-saving optimizations we talked about while also being faster to verify, so running a full node will be less resource-intensive with the same transaction throughput if Taproot sees significant adoption. Taproot will also enable many new use cases and features. Something that has been talked about for a while is point time lock contracts or PTLCs. They are a change to the Lightning Network that enable developers to build more complex applications on top of Lightning like discrete log contracts, stuckless payments, and more. Taproot also allows for much less invasive upgrades in the future. Taproot left many new upgrade paths that we are already seeing people write proposals to use, namely SIG hash any prev out. Okay, I've been seeing a lot of the SIG hash any prev out uh, talk, so maybe we'll get some here. Uh, this should make the next Bitcoin soft fork happen more quickly and be less controversial as it will not carry as much weight as the upgrades before it. In conclusion, Bitcoin has upgraded and has taken a step forward in making privacy better for its users. This did not come easy, and it certainly shouldn't have. However, now it's time to celebrate and start building. God dang, man. I am I am absolutely, I'm actually still stunned. I, I am in, a, a, I am actually still stunned that we were able to do this shit without tearing each other's jugulars out of their necks, man. I mean, it, and again, I really do. I believe, I've said it several times, but I believe this came about because Elon Musk started shitting all over Bitcoin and the price started dropping. And, you know, I, I do believe there was a confluence of events, the mainstream media, the Pope. I mean, everybody got into it. I think it was coordinated. I don't think it was just Musk. However, the thing happened. The price dropped. And all of a sudden, maybe the miners just got each other on the phone and said, hey, let's work together this time and stop fucking around. And it looks like they did it. All right. So an open letter to the Nigerian government. Uh, Pursue a Bitcoin standard, asks Russell Okung. This is his letter to the president, uh, Muhammadu Bahari, I think is how you pronounce it. I'm just going to say, greetings, president. The hope of Nigeria lies within this generation. I am proudly a Nigerian descendant living in America and am a proponent of Bitcoin. I write to urge the Nigerian government to peruse, or sorry, pursue economic independence and financial sovereignty by pursuing a national Bitcoin standard. Soon, every nation will be faced with this decision, but those who seize the present moment proactively, as we have just witnessed in El Salvador, will enjoy significant advantages globally for generations to come. It is no secret that the global current or the current global economic environment is worrisome and unsustainable. Sadly, the fate of the Nigerian economy is in the hands of a global central bankers who do not represent the best interest of the Nigerian people. Despite the challenges we face, the resilience of Nigerians continue to inspire. The Nigerian society enjoys more favorable conditions than many of its neighbors. However, even greater opportunity awaits with the adoption of national action in favor of a Bitcoin standard. The tone of this letter is meant to convey urgency, both in terms of the forthcoming economic despair 
and the limited window to act on this opportunity with fierce boldness and strong leadership, while the challenges of COVID-19 and increased global unrest continue to instill fear in the hearts and minds of citizens everywhere, Nigerians can claim international greatness by rising to the occasion that our unique times require. Nations such as Iran, Russia, China, Kenya have been reportedly mining or otherwise utilizing Bitcoin, often as a means to circumvent U.S. sanctions which prevent them from full participation in the global financial system. Other nations, like Barbados, Singapore, and Malta, have moved to become Bitcoin-friendly in an effort to attract wealth and human capital through migration. And this week, El Salvador became the world's first nation to require merchants to accept Bitcoin as legal tender. I'm proposing an equally aggressive approach to national Bitcoin adoption, which would significantly bolster every sector of the Nigerian economy and revitalize the spirit of every Nigerian domestically and abroad. Bitcoin is not controlled, managed, or operated by any single entity. It is an innovation that will surpass, sorry, surpass the automobile or the internet in terms of its impact on humanity. Nigeria does not need to ask permission from any other nation, nor acquire a license, nor secure a trade agreement from any corporation to reshape its economy with Bitcoin. All that is required is a vision for a new future and an allocation of its own national resources to pursue a Bitcoin standard. The primary reason for urgently push, pursuing and executing a national plan for adoption is the finite supply. There will only ever be 21 million Bitcoin in circulation. This hard cap on the supply makes Bitcoin even more verifiably finite than gold. As this simple yet unique property of scarcity becomes more widely understood, the economic laws of supply and demand will create a global frenzy to acquire as much Bitcoin as possible before it's too late. This momentum for acquiring Bitcoin is already underway throughout the world and it is rapidly accelerating. In recent months, continued economic turmoil and uncertainty has created increased curiosity in Bitcoin. Multiple institutions, investors, <clears throat> sorry, multiple institutional investors have announced sizable Bitcoin allocations in their portfolios, some citing it as a hedge against a weakening U.S. dollar. The Nigerian government, along with every other government in the world, has a once-in-a-generation opportunity to claim global prominence by rising to the occasion. Many other politicians in LATAM have signaled their intention to pursue similar moves as El Salvador. In leading the next global financial shift, Nigeria can create prosperity for its citizens in a manner that requires no bloodshed, no election, and no resistance. Such a proposition may seem too good to be true, and these ambitions certainly require thorough investigation, investigation, scrutiny, and debate. Conversely, a delay in pursuing a national plan for Bitcoin adoption will risk a scenario where Nigeria is left behind and its citizens excluded from the possibility of significant wealth creation and preservation. All world leaders become more aware of the chance to make history. Pursuit of Bitcoin will be widespread. We offer our full support, a willingness to voluntarily consult, and commitment to activate every resource available to us in order to see Nigeria pursue a Bitcoin standard. Nigeria must never carry last. Signed, Russell Okung. Damn, boy. Motherfucker can write. It's a good letter, Russell. Not bad. Um, There's something about Nigeria. Uh, it can be the touchstone. If El Salvador is the touchstone for Latin America, uh, then Nigeria is going to be a touchstone for the continent of Africa. And all we need, all we need to shut everybody's holes up like Francis you know, what Francis Coppola and oh, what it just, just pick a Nobel laureate economist. Okay. The, the one way that we can just shut them up forever is for Central and South America and Africa to adopt a Bitcoin standard. I don't need Canada to do it. I don't need the U.S. to do it. I don't need Europe to do it. I don't need Russia, China, India, Australia, or New Zealand. I don't need any of that shit. What I need is Central and South America and the continent of Africa. Once that shit happens, the rest of the world, the rest of the world just falls either either falls behind, falls to the wayside, or figures it out and comes on board. Nigeria could do for Africa what El Salvador might do for Central and South America. However, 
We still got to see what the hell's going on in South, South America. But thank God for people like Russell O. Kung, right? I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you. Now, Tanzania, Samuel Haig tells us more about this country from Cointelegraph. Tanzanian president urges central bank to prepare for crypto. Oh, well, maybe it's already happened. Tanzania appears to be the latest emerging economy poised to embrace Bitcoin and crypto assets. On Monday, Tanzanian president, I can't pronounce the name, sorry guys, urged the country's central bank to begin exploring crypto assets. Hassan emphasized, that's the, I can pronounce that name, that's the president's last name. Hassan emphasized the increasing impact of digital assets on global finance, stating, quote, we have witnessed the emergence of a new journey through the internet, end quote. She highlighted the, the lack of crypto adoption and development in the East African region, stating throughout the region, including Tanzania, they have not accepted or started using these routes. Quote, my call to the central bank is that you should start working on that development. The central bank should be ready for the changes and not be caught unprepared, end quote. Seeing a pattern forming between her and Russell Okung. Hassan's comments come on the heels of numerous lawmakers in Latin America pushing for greater crypto adoption in other emerging economies, including El Salvador, where Bitcoin has been mandated as legal tender while African legislatures, legislators have been slow to recognize the, and encourage the crypto economy, the region has been a hotspot for peer-to-peer -peer Bitcoin trading for years. According to Useful Tulips, Sub-Saharan Africa, or Sub-Saharan Africa, sorry, is the second largest region for P2P trading behind North America, representing roughly $16.5 million in weekly volume. Nigeria represents half of the region's volume, ranking behind the United States as the second largest nation by P2P Bitcoin trading, with 8.5 million in BTC changing hands weekly. Kenya is Africa's second ranked peer-to-peer -peer market with more than 3 million in weekly trade, followed by Ghana with 2 million and South Africa with 1.6 million. Tanzania ranks seventh for the region with nearly $90,000 worth of trade over the past seven days. So now East African country, Tanzania getting in on it. So if they join forces with, with Nigeria and do some handshaking, uh, man, dude, this could be, this could be, this could be more explosive than we ever thought is all I'm saying. And it's that, it's that theme throughout, you know, Russell O'Kung's letter and, and the Tanzanian president's plea to their central bank sound almost exactly the same. We should start working now. The central bank should be ready for the changes and not be caught unprepared. Every, this is my opinion, but every single country, even the big dogs, should start drafting their plans accordingly. Because even if Bitcoin and the entire ecosystem just collapses and dies, and it won't, I promise it's not going Bitcoin's not going anywhere, people. You may wish it away. You may have friends telling you how it's going to die and all that shit. It's not going anywhere. Okay. Just so what needs to happen is that everybody, governments, CEOs, employees, homeless people, everybody needs a fucking plan at this point. We cannot, you cannot be caught with your britches down because if you are caught with your britches down, it's just going to suck. All right. And even if it does collapse, and it's not, like I said, but even if it did, what are you out? You, 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 you expended some mental energy for it. Hey, good for you. Let's run numbers. Hey, CNBC, futures and commodities. Flammable liquids are on fire yet one more time. West Texas Intermediate is up 0.846%. It's coming in at $71.51 a barrel. Brent North Sea coming in at $73.35. It's up almost a full point. Natural gas moving basically sideways. It's at $3.30 per thousand cubic feet. Shifts having a bad day. Gold being down 0.6%. Coming in at $1,868, so still sub-1900. Silver uh, not doing well. At, well, it's only down 0.2%, but it's coming in at $28. Platinum doing well, 1.6% to the upside. Copper down a third. Palladium is basically, is it flat? No, it's actually down two-thirds. All the agricultural futures are down, and some of them are down quite a bit. 
uh, wheat down point or good Lord, no, what wheat is down one and a quarter percent. Soybeans are down 1.4%. Corn is down over 3%. Sugar is down 1.8%. Coffee is down 2%. Cotton down one and a half percent. So everybody's getting basically rug pulled on their, on their contracts. It looks like, uh, let's see here. Dow futures. Uh, let's see. Are we open yet? Yeah. Well, we're actually open at this point. So, uh, 0.47 to the downside. S and P is 0.22 to the downside. NASDAQ is up 0.06. S and P mini is down a half a point. Let's talk about real money. I got Bitcoin at $40,876 and 55 cents. 209,000 transactions performed in the last 24 hours. That's a, that's a measly 8,724 transactions on average every hour. You know, some people are, are conjecturing that some uh, uh, Bitcoin haters were, you know, artificially packing the, uh, the mempool. Yeah, I know it's not, there's no such thing as the mempool, but list, I need to be able to talk artificially packing the mempool with transactions to demonstrate just how sluggish that the, the uh, Bitcoin chain can get and that it's basically just kind of all dried up. And honestly, between people that are fudding Bitcoin and market trading, you know, a lot of us are in a holding pattern. And, and I don't understand the people that hate, hate us for not utilizing the Bitcoin network because we're all trying to get on board. We're trying to get other people on board there's still a lot of work to be done before I just start willy nilly going and buying, you know, and, and using my precious Bitcoin for something as stupid as coffee. I'd rather drain the shitty money out of the system before I even think about touching my Bitcoin. I, so if you're hating me for not spending my Bitcoin, I don't know what to tell you. Do you hate me when I try to save fiat money? I, I mean, is there any way to not get hated? I don't know, maybe not, but in either event, uh, 229,000 BTC have been sent in the last 24 hours. That's a mere 9,500 uh, BTC being sent on average per hour with the average transaction value being 1.09 BTC and the median transaction value being 0.018 BTC or 719 bucks. Oh, look at that. Block times are low. Nine minutes and 44 seconds. I think we had a difficulty adjustment. Uh, let's see here. We have... 0.19 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis, 30 BTC being taken overall in fees in the last 24 hours. We have had a 6.59% jump in hash rate and we are at 138.77 exahashes per second. So yes, we did have a difficulty adjustment. And let's see, oh, uh, your shitcoin uh, indicator is Dogecoin standing at 30 cents. That's 30 United States pennies, people. It should be 0.3 of one U.S. penny, if not lower. That's where it was for years. Years. And all of a sudden, now it's all worthwhile? Bullshit. I don't buy it for a second. Uh, 20,729 transactions are waiting on 17 blocks to clear. We have $760.9 billion of market capitalization, which is 6.3% of gold's total market cap. And now we can get 21.8 ounces of shiny metal rocks for one Bitcoin, of which there are 18,734,679.00 BTC in circulation. Uh, we have uh, 1,508.7 of those are inside the Lightning Network which has a capacity value of $61.3 million being run over 11,986 nodes. And God, we're nearing 50,000 channels, guys, or at least channels that we can see. We have Tor capacity of the Lightning Network reaching 63.4%. That is 957.13 BTC in the Tor side of the Lightning Network being run over 6,239 Tor Lightning nodes that we can see. And because Taproot activation is over and it is done and we are all fine, that's gonna do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. We begin with BTC Times, Xiao H. Wang writing this one. Tesla to resume Bitcoin transactions if clean energy goals are met. Again, at the head of the show, I told you, and I, 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 telling you again, don't trust Elon Musk ever again. 
He's 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 liquefied all of his street credibility for Bitcoin. Don't listen to anything that he says. If he says he's going to do something, assume the opposite. I'm sorry, but I, I don't think he's ever going to resume Bitcoin uh, transactions for his shitty ass car. I expect him to sell it all, but let's see what's going on here. Nothing gets Elon Musk riled up like criticism of his soft, weak hands. Amidst rumors that Tesla had further reduced its exposure to Bitcoin, Musk took to Twitter to deny selling at the peak. He reiterated a position stance on the cryptocurrency, stating that Tesla would resume acceptance of Bitcoin for vehicle purchases if miners confirm a reasonable uh, 50% clean energy usage, whatever the hell that means. Previously, Tesla purchased $1.5 billion worth of Bitcoin in late January and early February when the, peer, when the per Bitcoin price was around $34,000. Elon Musk maintains that Tesla has only sold approximately 10% of that initial purchase, which was first reported during Tesla's quarterly earnings call in April. At the time, Musk, Musk claimed that Tesla performed the sale in order to prove liquidity of Bitcoin as an alternative to holding cash on balance sheets. However, the transaction resulted in a $101 million accounting boost for the company's quarterly earnings. Without the Bitcoin profit, Tesla's adjusted earnings per share would have fallen far short of Wall Street estimates. Musk's announcement that Tesla will accept Bitcoin payments conditional on miners' clean energy usage may be another opportunistic play. Well, of course it is. Aside from Bitcoin, the majority of the company's income derives from the sale of carbon credits. Last quarter, emissions credits accounted for $518 million in revenue out of a pre-tax income of $533 million. Most of these credits are sold to other auto manufacturers to meet emission mandates, but maybe the newly formed Bitcoin Mining Council will become Tesla's biggest customer. Oh God, you know, I just don't even give a shit. I, I really don't. But that's, I mean, so, so if people start talking about Elon, it's because he's telegraphing to the world that maybe he was a little too harsh on this shit and he should have, maybe he should have clarified. And it's just, a, it's just one more bozo in a clown suit, dude. The fact that he's the fifth or fourth richest man on the face of the planet should actually give him no more credibility than Francis Coppola, you know, has, which she has absolutely none. And we'll see that later in the show. China, uh, China orders Yunnan Bitcoin miners to have fun staying poor. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I read that wrong. China orders Yunnan Bitcoin's miners to cease operating by the end of June. It's been confirmed. Xu Yao Kong writes this one for Decrypt.co. For the longest time, your correspondent was of the view that China would only crack down on speculative crypto trading and leave the mining sector alone. After all, mining has been an established money printing machine for both the miners and local governments that collect, collect tax on it. But China's carbon neutrality goal, along with zealous Dogecoin trading, have once again raised concerns with the government at an inconvenient time, the CCP's 100th birthday on July the 1st. Oh, great. A hundred years of commie. Crypto became a sensitive topic during the run-up to the important celebration. This mysterious magic internet money is completely out of the government's control, and that screams danger. The week, this week's Dabing looks into the events happening into China last week, from the mining crackdown to the propaganda surrounding the new centralized commercial change and chain. Oh, whatever. That's in quotes. Change and chain. Okay, whatever. Yep, the crypto not blockchain narrative is doubling down during the birthday period. Oh, great. By now, it has become clear that most mining activities that eschew clean energy have been shuttered in China. It started in Inner Mongolia and spread to Xinjiang and Yunnan provinces. Apparently, someone in Guadong dropped a dime on Yunnan to the, uh, to the government, claiming that it was not getting enough electricity from the province. The government investigated and found the culprit. Oh my God, crypto mining. There was some confusion about this yesterday with forecast.news breaking the story, then other outlets denying it. Even the press and media was confused. However, today, a spokesman from the Yunnan Energy Department confirmed to a number of legitimate sites, including Sina, that it wants all crypto miners to leave by the end of June. Have fun staying poor, bitches. A rough translation of the press release, quote, 
by the end of June, all Bitcoin mining operations must be scrutinized and cleaned up. Any operation that uses electricity without permission must be stopped, end quote. A number, or rather a lot of miners have apparently already quit, possibly contributing to a drop in the hash rate on the Bitcoin blockchain noticed yesterday. Sichuan, however, has been largely left alone. It's the only province whose government actually called an in-person meeting with leading miners to discuss the situation before pulling the plug. Indeed, so far, no immediate plan to ban mining has been announced. This is likely due to the excessive hydroelectric power produced during the summer. The local government collects a hefty tax when the miners offload the power. <clears throat> in retrospect, the current ban, which started last month, was hardly a surprise. What was surprising was how quickly everything was shut down. Usually the central government issues its, quote, orders, and local governments then gauge the pros and cons and then enact the order only if there's a local benefit. However, this time, local governments eagerly and immediately complied. It turns out that the CCP centennial birthday is a good time to show loyalty to the party. At its core, Chinese politicians are doing what American politicians such as Elizabeth Warren do. To the uneducated, cracking down on crypto seems to be an easy way to do something good for society. You're saving the environment and cracking down on all that unlawful internet money. Oh no. In China, there are large mining operations in Xinjiang and Sichuan and smaller ones in Yunnan. The recent crackdown seemed to mainly target the big mining operations. They will have a hard time coming back to life because these are operationally heavy farms that cannot be simply shut down and restarted like a toaster oven. The smaller ones might have a better prognosis. They could restart their machines when mining becomes less of a concern for the government. Having such flexibility is perhaps the key success factor for any miners that want to operate in China in the future. But even as the government cracked down on miners, it promoted blockchain. Oh, great. On June the 10th, government in cahoots with a dozen prominent businesses gathered to celebrate the launch of Chang and Get Chain. Oh, man. Chang'ang was the capital of China during the Tang Dynasty. Okay, so that's where it is. It's hard to pronounce, guys. The chain is an enterprise blockchain that is both independent and controllable, two characteristics that are close to CCP's heart. Independent is important because China wants to rely less on foreign technology. Uh, that's why Huawei's new operating system, Hongmeng, is touted as a national victory. Now China is not solely dependent on iOS or Android. Controllable matters because the word means that the government can monitor both on-chain and off-chain activities. Change and Chain announced it will integrate with China's digital wad, of course, as part of the 2022 Winter Olympics. Yeah, I need sports in my blockchain. One might ask, how is this chain different from any other China-sanctioned business chain, BSN? The answer is, it's not. Not really. Both chains were launched by a consortium of government and large enterprises. The difference is that while BSN approaches blockchain from a cloud infrastructure perspective, oh God, Chain Ang targets the hardware industry. Its lead in the consortium is a hardware company known for producing chips. So I guess it's what, proof of work? I, this is very confusing. Anyway, despite the crackdown, the national crypto market seems to be reacting less and less emotionally. In the old days, rumors of a mining crackdown in China would obliterate the price of BTC. Now that a crackdown is actually happening and Bitcoin's hash rate is tanking, the market has been mostly shrugging it off. That's because everyone is coming to grips with China FUD, even while the country itself seems to be slowly banning crypto. Could crypto and China bounce back after CCP's birthday celebration? Maybe. We'll have to wait until July to find out. In the meantime, most of the miners won't be on hand to celebrate the CCP's big birthday bash. They are looking for new homes abroad. We call that shit. What? What? I can't hear you. Regulatory arbitrage. So anyway, there is a saying in China, and I can't pronounce the word. It's in, well, shit, it's in kanji. So, or not kanji, but Chinese script. It's called laying flat, and it's the hottest term on China's internet. It describes young people's preference to lay flat on a couch or floor rather than working hard to make a living. In crypto, the term is also used to describe yield farming. After all, why work so hard to trade when you can lay flat and collect yields? How that was introduced to this as the last paragraph is 
a conundrum for me, people. I used to write a lot of essays and shoving in non sequiturs was basically something you just didn't do because it confuses people. And that was about as non sequitur as it gets. It's possible that because, you know, this is uh, written by, <clears throat> this is written by Debing basically, uh, and Xiaoyo Kong. So I think, you know, it's probably, a cultural thing that, you know, Westerners really would just, we just don't really dig non sequiturs. I don't know, but apparently Doge is not going to be allowed, at least in Thailand. Thai SEC bans the meme, a fan and exchange tokens, as well as NFTs. Good Lord. That's kind of, Kind of pissing on the dog there a little bit, man. Coindesk's Kevin Reynolds tells us more. Thailand Securities and Exchange Commission announced on Friday that it has banned several of the hottest types of token in cryptocurrency, including meme tokens, fan tokens, and non-fungible tokens, in an apparent attempt to rein in trading in crypto instruments in which the prices are largely determined by social whim. The move by the Thai SEC is just the latest action by the regulator as it works to provide a framework for crypto in the nation. While not looking to ban crypto altogether, the regulator has opted for a protective stance to prevent regular subjects and even traders from risking their funds through crypto investments. Per the SEC, the following are no longer allowed to be traded in Thailand effective on Friday, June the 11th. Meme tokens which the SEC describes as having no clear objective or substance or no support with the price depending on the trend of the social world. Though not mentioned by name, presumably this applies to meme-based coins such as Dogecoin, the price of which is influenced to a massive degree by celebrities, most notably Tesla CEO Elon Musk. Number two, fan tokens, the digital assets that are created by personal preference. I'm, I am assuming they're talking about at that point, what's the name of that shit that Breedlove likes now? Uh, BitClout. I'm assuming that fan tokens means BitClout and things like it. Three, NFTs, which for a brief few months this year was the hottest sector in crypto. They are digital assets that represent a wide range of unique, tangible and intangible items from collectible sports cards to virtual real estate and even digital sneakers. Unlike regular cryptocurrencies, NFTs cannot be directly exchanged one with another because they're non-fungible. Get it? That's what, eh, whatever. And finally, exchange tokens such as those issued by Binance, Uniswap, and FTX that allow hodlers to get benefits such as reduced transaction fees on the corresponding exchange. Exchanges have 30 days from the effective date to amend their listing rules to reflect the new regulations. So... I kiss Dogecoin goodbye in Thailand. At least the food will still be good. Honestly, though, I'm not upset. It's, I'm, not, I'm not calling for, for this shit because I kind of want people to be able to be free and make their own decisions. Looks like Thailand made their own decision and they took out exactly the stupidest fucking shit. I mean, when, when, they, when they nailed these things, they knew exactly what has no value. So at least, at, even though it's authoritarian and I don't like it, and it does not give people their personal choice and don't like that, the one thing that the Thai, Thailand SEC was able to correctly identify was complete shit. They were able to identify the absolute bottom barrel shittiest of the shit, except for the exchange tokens. Those seem to have a fair amount of utility. But the NFTs, meme coins, and fan coins, they correctly identified the shittiest of the shit in this ecosystem. So from that, I, I'm, I'm honestly, I ain't upset. You know, I, I really am. I'm, I'm not. J Jamie Crawley has this next one. Crypto monitoring is more effective than an outright ban, says Dutch finance minister. This is out of Coindesk. And let's see, the Dutch finance minister, Wapke Hoekstra, said monitoring crypto would be much more effective than an outright ban. Hoekstra, the Netherlands Minister of Finance since 2017 and leader of the Christian Democratic Appeal Party, said there is no sense in a ban that would only apply to the Netherlands. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Monetary policy in the country is governed by the European Central Bank and therefore a unilateral ban in a single Eurozone state would have limited, if any, effect. 
monitoring and supervising cryptocurrency would be preferable. Quote, my observation is now that there is more effective than a total ban in the Netherlands. Hold on. My observation is now that that is more effective than a total ban in the Netherlands. The minister was responding to calls made on Friday by Peter Heskamp, head of the Bureau of Economic Policy Analysis for a total ban. Quote, the, eventually, the eventual collapse of the crypto bubble is inevitable, Haskamp said. The longer we wait, the greater the negative consequences of the eventual crash. Have fun staying poor, bitch. Oh, my God. So the finance minister gets it. Uh, there, there's nothing that a ban is going to do. So it's good that the finance minister came out and said what he said about, you know, might as well monitor it because you ain't going get, to get rid of it. And these, you know, and the lap dog over there, you know, barking at him saying the eventual collapse. I've been waiting 11 years for the fucking eventual collapse of crypto. And you know what happens every year? A new shitcoin gets added to it. An, an NFT happens. Tulips yielding yam coins happened. There is no collapse. It's like just, it's just this ever inflating thing that is going to end up encapsulating all that could possibly puncture it. It will no longer be the bubble. It's going to be the reality. And even, even Italy is, understands it. Although in, in a way that, well, they're going to have fun staying poor too. check it out, dude. Coindesk Tanzil Akhtar is writing this one. Italian regulator says the unsupervised spread of crypto is cause for concern. Oh, pardon me, your honor. I was unsupervised. Italy's stock market regulator said on Monday, the unregulated spread of cryptocurrencies is a cause for concern. According to a report. Okay, hold on. Before I even get into any of these bullet points, let's talk about water. Do you think water gives a flying rat's ass about who's regulating it or whether or not it's it's unsupervised, water is going to flow to the ocean. Okay, that's how, how water works. It rains on mountains, it gets into the ground, it forms little rivulets and streams, and then it gets into like huge honking rivers. And it's, water's gonna go where water's gonna go. You can't hold on to it. Therefore, it's completely, it's, it's not very regulatable. It's regulatable as far as if, I'm able to get water from my municipality if they pissed off like Indian tribes and the Indian tribes that hold the water rights on a reservoir or something like that. Yes, that part is regulatable, but from the issuance of when rain falls on a mountain, it's going to go where the topography tells it to go. That's the only regulator here is mother nature, right? So the same thing is going to happen with Bitcoin. You can't, I mean, if it's in a pool, if it, there's a large pool of Bitcoin, yeah, it's going to be regulated. But if you've got like, you know, a, a few, you know, a few hundred million, you know, a couple hundred million Satoshi or something like that, those are raindrops and there's just, there's no supervision. Without proper oversight, there could be a worsening in market transparency. The basis of legality and rational choice for market operators, Consob chairman Paolo Savano said, according to Reuters, Savano warned cryptocurrencies could be a shield for criminal activity such as, you guessed it, tax evasion, money laundering, and funding terrorism. God, get some new material, dude. Cryptocurrencies could also undermine central banks' ability to conduct monetary policy, he said. There are between 4,000 and 5,000 unregulated cryptocurrencies in circulation, and Consob has recently closed down hundreds of websites illegally gathering savings in Italy, Savannah said. Quote, if it takes too long at a European level to come up with a solution, Italy will have to take its own measures. And you won't because you're part of the European Union as well, and you're basically told what's, what dicks to suck and whose pants to pull down and whom to service. You ain't doing nothing. I'm sorry, man, but it's like once you finally f figure out that Africa and, you know, Central and South America are going to be just fine, maybe then you'll have figured it out. But until then, if you guys don't draft a plan to get a Bitcoin standard in your country and and it, and it starts happening, like a domino start falling around you and you've got nothing to put into place, you're going to be you're going to be the one without a chair, Italy. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. 
Bitcoin sell pressure may hit zero in July thanks to Grayscale's giant 16,000 BTC unlocking. William Suberg writing it for Cointelegraph. Institutional Bitcoin investors are in the spotlight as an upcoming major cash out date sparks talk of fresh price volatility. As noted by popular Twitter commentator Loomdard and others this week, attention is focusing on buyers and sellers of the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust as Bitcoin hovers near $40,000. A giant in the institutional Bitcoin space, GBTC has over $24 billion in assets under management. It is not available constantly. As Cointelegraph reported, the trust operates with periodic closures which this year have coincided with its buy-in price trading at a discount to the spot price. This negative GBTC premium has formed a major talking point in its own right as investors fun, or as invested funds are locked up for a set period and then released, allowing investors to cash out at certain times depending on when they bought in. A combination of negative premium relative to spot and large unlocking of funds means that July will be particularly interesting for BTC price action Previously, such an alignment has meant increased volatility. July 19th will see the biggest single unlocking day with 16,000 Bitcoin released. That's about six, $627 million worth of BTC. For popular pseudonymous trader Loomdart, <laughs> this nonetheless provides a chance for selling pressure to stabilize afterwards, paving the way for BTC bulls to crush longstanding resistance lines. The tweet from Loomdart states, you guys realize we are already negating GBTC unlocks and after the bulk of them are over, there's like zero spot BTC sellers left, right? In tweet. This would, <clears throat> this would form a refreshing counterpoint to the broadly bearish picture on institutional markets with an open interest in Bitcoin futures way down versus prior uh, to the May price dip of $30,000. On-chain analytics resource CryptoQuant noted the decline in interest last week, something which in turn came in tandem with a dramatic decline in overall BTC transaction numbers. Who the hell knows what's going on? That's going to do it for the news. Daily Train Wrecked brought to you by Francis Coppola, shitty winemaker. One. Name me one Bitcoiner who can accurately describe how the international payments system works. Two, name me one Bitcoiner who can accurately describe how bank lending works. Three, name me one Bitcoiner who can accurately describe capital and liquidity regulation for banks. Uh, well... As Velocity Beaver said, why should I have to explain anything to her when she hasn't figured out how a pizza works? Dude, <laughs> freaking savage. Oh, so savage. Yes, Francis Coppola got, got taken out by Velocity Beaver. Nice one, Velocity Beaver. That's one for the record books, dude. She doesn't know how a pizza works, much less how banks are regulated. I don't, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing to watch people be put on a pedestal and and then you start hearing them talk and you really start listening and realize that they have zero idea what they're talking about. Zero idea. And that they're just like the rest of us. That they're just doing what they can to hold their fucking own, right? But these people, they, they pretend like they just insufferable know-it-alls, man. Like Rubini and Francis Coppola. These are prime examples. Like in Nicholas Taleb. Right. The, all these assholes, they act like they're the only authorities on the planet that have any right to say anything. And they're all full of shit. They know they know about as much about this shit as the as the man in the moon, because guess what? What they think they know about the regulation of the banking, they don't they're wrong. Why? Because they're not writing the regulation. They're not in the room. They're not part of the club. Just like you and me, Francis Coppola is not a member of the fucking club. She doesn't know shit about what's going on. Right, so stop listening to people like Francis Coppola. Oh God, I'm about to launch into a rant that I'm not going to do it. In fact, we're going to stop and I'm just going to tell you a joke from Dad Says Jokes. Hey man, I made a graph showing all of my past relationships. It has an X-axis and it has a Y-axis. Oh, 
Ah, I'll let that one sink in. It's Monday, y'all. If you want to help me support the show on this bright, beautiful Monday afternoon by the time that you get to listen to it, uh, you can do so by listening to this podcast through the Breeze Wallet. And they have a podcasting app right in the wallet. So you load your wallet up with some Satoshis, you listen to my podcast, and boom, you can stream me three, ten, a hundred. Had, had somebody streaming me 300 Satoshis per minute the other day. I thank that person for that because that's a hell of a lot of Satoshis coming into my lightning node. And yes, those Satoshis will come to my lightning node, not somebody else's lightning node, at least uh, not where it's not where it's going to live. It went to somebody's lightning node because it had to hit a channel at one point or another, but I end up with those. It doesn't go to a custodial wallet. Also like, subscribe, do the chatter for me, man, because it really, really helps. And I, I really enjoy doing this and I want to have more reason to do it. And more listeners are more reasons. Every listener is a reason to do this show. I want more reasons to do this show, and I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.